You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good morning. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, here for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Uh, we got some things to get to here today, uh, obviously league-wise, as you know, starting to mandate everything ahead of training camp here. Um, David Njoku seems to continuously find himself in the news. We'll get to that as well. Uh, second, third segments here. We're going to start talking maybe some rookie expectations as the rookies will be headed to camp here shortly. So with that, let's get it kicked off here. Um, yesterday, league's latest proposal to the players was the understanding of maybe not playing any preseason games. As much as teams and front offices and the coaching staffs would like at least one preseason game. One preseason game probably just isn't going to do it. I don't think there's going to be enough you see from one player in a meaningless preseason game that's probably going to end up determining their roster spot on the for the Browns specifically, 2020 Cleveland Browns, but the league as well. Um, the Browns here, this is probably where they are probably in a decent position, good position, going into however this 2020 season is going to work as far as, you know, a limited, you know, no tra- no preseason games and the way training camp is going to work. The Browns probably for the most part know basically the nuts and bolts of what's going to be their 53-man roster with the additions made in the offseason, uh, obviously the additions from between last offseason. The core of this team is in place. Uh, they had a really, really solid draft um, I think they are counting on probably all seven of these picks, and even if not one undrafted free agent to make this team. So this is actually where if there is zero preseason games, it's not the worst thing in the world for your Cleveland Browns. Um, league-wise, look, I mean, you know, I everybody knows I'm a diehard draft guy, and you know it's those late-round picks, it's those undrafted free agents that maybe something happened where they you know, got drafted lower than they should have or ended up not getting drafted altogether. But for the league itself, the risk is just too great. Obviously, we all know at this point there's probably not going to be any fans in any games anywhere. New Jersey announced yesterday uh, the Giants and the Jets, their home games will be empty, uh, along with Rutgers University, which they kind of were at that point anyway over the last year and a half or so. But so the money's not made in the preseason. So the risk to put these players out there where maybe you could get one franchise, if not two franchises, crippled with a break of COVID, where maybe neither one of these teams were ready for week one. And now maybe when you're shooting for everything to start September 10th and for that first uh, Sunday to be, you know, uh, September 13th here, you're getting into a very, very difficult position. Uh, So as far as the no preseason, I get it. I feel for these players who essentially are going to end up in an NFL no man's land, you know, due to the fact that there is going to be no preseason games. But every, you know, when you have something of this significance with the COVID virus, there's going to be have to, things that are going to have to get cut or things that are just going to have to get, you know, moved on from for the sake of the greater good. The sake of the greater good is the NFL regular season. <clears throat> obviously, you know, we have um, MLB ready to start, and, uh, you know, obviously NHL, NBA, everybody ready to kick off here. That'll be monitored closely as far as how their, their players are maintaining health. But for to not play any preseason games, it limits the team's travel. So now you're only talking if it's regular season, eight travel weeks. 
<coughs> as far as you know, getting you know, having your players in different cities, things of that nature. Also, if you don't travel at all during the preseason, it gives you another almost seven weeks before you have to put NFL teams on the road to play road games. So no preseason, um, which I'm assuming is what the players are going to agree upon. It's just going to be the best for everybody, and it, it, it hurts. It sucks that a bunch of you know players are, are going to be left in limbo. But sadly, it's it's just going to have to be the way it works this year in you know a 2020 NFL season with a whole slew of different circumstances. Uh, David Ajoku yesterday obviously put out a tweet, and obviously his tweet was maybe a day late in response to the uh, "We want to play" you know hashtag that was put out by the NFL players, basically saying, "Look, we have demands that we would like to be met." Um, it is our lives, it is our families' lives that are going to be put at risk here. So we would at least like to have some more input put into what is going to go on here. Um, the, obviously, the Players Association has spoken to several doctors. They have a protocol that they've been giving by doctors that they're speaking to that they feel comfortable with. Um, so the league's got to meet that. I mean, you know, the, the players are your talent. Um, this doesn't go on without you know the greatest players, an Aaron Donald, a Patrick Mahomes, without these players being on board and feeling like they can go out there and be the star talent that they are week in, week out, and feel comfortable to do it, which draws everybody to what's going to be television sets because it's not going to be the stadiums. David Njoku, the juxt of his tweet, in my opinion, is, is maybe the Browns entertained slightly moving David Njoku. They realize that the return in a trade for David Njoku is not worth the investment. Look, the Browns made a commitment. This new front office made a commitment to David Njoku. They picked up that 2021 fifth-year option at $6 million. Drew Rosenhaus, now representing David Njoku, they can whine, cry all they want about the next money. He's already getting $6 million for 2021. Same amount of money as Eric Ebron. Eric Ebron has once scored 14 touchdowns as receiving tight end in this league. Do not put the you know the cart before the horse, so to speak, here. David Ajoku, I'm assuming, once he got word back and his camp got word back from the Browns, is we never really had any interest in trading with trading you. We have now spoken to other franchises. Um, our interests have not changed. We want you in this fold. Um, and obviously, with the offense and the way we spoke about this yesterday, David Njoku is going to be a part of this offense. They want to play a lot of tight ends. They love the fact that he is a ridiculously good athlete. Um, they have ways to use him. They have ways that they want him to be part of this 2020 uh, Cleveland Browns offense. So it's not, nothing's changed here. I think with David's tweet, I think David has maybe learned and his camp has maybe learned that their wishes are not going to be accommodated. Um, and for the Browns, they shouldn't be. You made that commitment at $6 million for 2021. David Njoku should be happy about that. It's not about the money his agent's going to make. For now, it's about the money David Njoku is going to make. Get a little bit better as a blocker. Contribute like you did in 2018 as a receiver. And that second contract will come from somebody. Now's a great time. Uh, subscribe iTunes, Spotify, five-star ratings, written reviews. Guys, if you could go ahead, please take care of that for me on iTunes, on Spotify. I appreciate it oh so much. Like I said, we're going to get into some of the expectations here for 
the 2020 Cleveland Brown rookies. I figure, you know, first segment here, maybe we'll start it on the offensive side of the ball. Offensive side is a lot different as far as 2020 expectations than the defense, which we'll get to, you know, in the next segment a little bit later on here. I'd say the only player you're expecting much of on the offensive side of the ball is obviously your first-round pick, left tackle Jedrick Willis. Uh, he was drafted for a purpose. The Browns needed to improve their tackle play. They needed to improve it greatly to make Kevin Stefanski's wide zone, two tight end scheme work with you know the play action they're going to do here. Uh, you know Jedrick Willis, second overall offensive tackle taken in the draft at ten overall. There are concerns. I mean, you know, I've said this a million times. Um, he's never played left tackle, so to just assume he's going to take it, take to it like a fish to water, you have every right to have some concerns there. Am I concerned about the type of season Jedrick Wills is going to put together? No. And obviously, if you saw a tweet from his agent, Nicole Lynn, last night, uh, saying that Jedrick feels like he's really, really progressing just through these online classes. And obviously, Bill Callahan, uh, you know, master offensive line coach, uh, his reputation speaks for itself. So Jedrick Wills is getting the opportunity with a fantastic offensive line coach to at least learn everything there's still going to be a lot of technique work and still there's obviously taking it from the classroom to the practice field do i expect jedrick wills to be a top 10 offensive tackle in the nfl as a rookie no probably not it's not a realistic expectation for any rookie drafted anywhere but for him to come in and maybe be middle of the pack um you know you've got for the most part a veteran offensive line he can pick the brains of a jack conklin about playing on the island he can talk to Joel Bentonio, J.C. Treader, just about players, about you know, scouting players, guys from the Ravens he's obviously not familiar with, the Steelers, the Bengals, etc. Jedrick Wills at left tackle, uh, there's some concern about it and majorly concerned, and those who have it you know, have some reason to it. Left, left tackles don't always just hit the ground running. Um, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm not concerned with it. I think Jedrick Wills, because I think the situation between offensive line coach, between what's around him, the fact that the offensive unit as a whole is vastly, vastly improved, and the fact that you're going to be running a system that seems to fit the talent that you have. So Jedrick Wills on offense is, is going to be counted on heavily. I, I don't think it's going to be much of an issue. I think he's going to find his way to you know, get the job done here. And even if he's the fourth or fifth best offensive lineman on this unit in 2020, it's a win all around. So Jedrick Wills, obviously number 10 uh, overall selection, going to be a big, big part of the Cleveland Browns offense here. Now you get to your day three selections on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, tight end Harrison Bryant. Um, and my talks on David Najoku and wanting him and what he is, none of this is a knock on Harrison Bryant. Everybody wants to talk about, you know, where David's at in his career, and, you know, there's been some difficulties. Well, this can be said of a lot of young tight ends in the NFL. Harrison Bryant, uh, without a rookie camp, um, going to get here, you know, get a few practices in his belt, under his belt before the rest of the team gets here to camp. It is a very difficult position to transition to, especially coming from a Florida Atlantic. Harrison Bryant is not an elite athlete. Harrison Bryant still needs work in the weight room, functional strength, some bulk added to his frame to where he can maybe turn into one of these great two-way 
tight ends. If it just turns out that maybe he's the eventual uh, replacement to David Ajoku as the number two tight end in this offense, that's certainly okay. He is a willing, able receiver at the tight end position. Runs routes intelligently. uh, Does not get caught up by hands with his size. There are things you can do with him. Uh, Obviously, you Ohio State fans know him well. He was playing outside week one against Jeff Okuda and making some plays. You can move him all over with his size, give different looks. You know, that two tight end look doesn't traditionally have to be two tight ends. If it's an Njoku, if it's a Harrison Bryant, they can be split out wide, <clears throat> have a Jarvis Landry in the slot. You know, work him in slowly, Harrison Bryant. Um, if there's some success this year at all, that's great. It's icing on the cake. Um, and it will be due to his receiving ability. It's going to be really difficult for him to get in this quickly um, with the deficiencies in athleticism, with the deficiencies in strength, and no OTAs, uh, obviously no rookie camp. So it's going to be a little bit of a, you know, a, a difficult uh, year for Harrison Bryant. Anything he can give you this year is just absolute gravy. Now, Nick Harris, center out of Washington, drafted. Um, in round five. Now, if you'd remember yesterday when we had spoken with uh, Steve Morton about the wide zone scheme um, and how this all works, you need a good center. Um, Nick Harris, for all intents and purposes, was a really liked center in the draft process. Problem was, a little bit on the shorter side. Um, You know, sometimes you can get away with that. He moves well. We talked about this yesterday. Um, You're going to need a center that moves well for this offense to work. So Nick Harris, um, best you're going to ask for here is that he is the backup center. Hopefully he does not have to play much. Obviously we all know what J.C. Treader is as a player. We all know that this offense is going to fit J.C. Treader to the letter, so to speak here. So Nick Harris, you're going to give him a year to grow. You're going to give him a, a year to get acclimated to the NFL. Maybe he could get a look at right guard in camp. Um, if Wyatt Teller struggles or, you know, obviously with a bunch of younger guys over there at the right guard position, there is a possibility for that. But in all intents and purposes, you're looking at Nick Harris to be your backup center and maybe evaluate, you know, where it goes from there. But he fits what you want to do as a backup center. And it's not always huge that you have a backup center. You usually maybe have one guy who can play center that will play, you know, backup interior spots, whether it be left guard, right guard. But if Nick Harris can just focus on being the backup center, just learn the center position, sit next to J.C. Treader, six feet apart, in meetings, and pick up all he needs to low, pick his brain, watch everything he does in practice, and maybe Nick Harris ends up becoming a starter in year two, year three, obviously maybe not year two with J.C. Treader with the extension he signed. But hopefully you have a player in Nick Harris who can maybe be your future center of the Cleveland Browns. Round six, Donovan Peoples-Jones. This is it, this was a lottery pick selection. Um, fantastic athlete. Really, really smart young man. Uh, the talent is there in spades. What you're going to need to do is find out what exactly happened at Michigan. How did this five-star recruit go to a Power 5 program and nothing really ever came of it. Yes, there were some flashes in the return game. There were some flashes here and there. But Donovan Peoples-Jones, the athlete, the talent, it never added up at the University of Michigan. He comes in here 
to, I don't, wouldn't say it's a crowded wide receiver room, Odell, Jarvis, obviously the re-signing of Rashard, and as long as, you know, everything goes right for Rashard, he should have a role here, just due to the fact of, you know, how comfortable he is with Baker, how comfortable Baker is with Rashard. So it gives Donovan Peoples-Jones a chance to slowly let everything marinate here. Is there a chance for some success? There is. He's a ridiculous athlete, like I said. He's got a lot of talent. Um, and this will be where we kind of find out what exactly went on at Michigan. You know, was Donovan Jones, was Donovan Peoples-Jones not progressing like Michigan had hoped? Or did Michigan just not have the system for him? Did Michigan just not have the quarterback for him? Which may be really legitimate concerns and reasons for the statistical output that Donovan Peoples-Jones did not put out at, uh, at Michigan. Um, the returnability is there. I think for right now, even though they signed JoJo Nansen, I think he is first up at have, uh, winning this punt return gig. Um, he may be asked to play some more on specials, maybe asked to cover some kicks here. But there is an opportunity with his speed, with his downfield ability, where if he can kind of you know jump in here and do some things early in camp, that there can be a role for him as wide receiver four. Remember, Damian Ratley, Kaderil uh, Hodge, obviously primarily special teamers. These are part of the old regimes. This is not part of the new regime. Uh, I think Donovan Peoples-Jones' role can be as much as he wants it to be, as quickly as he can get acclimated to the NFL game. The Browns really, really wanted him. Both Jeff Risden and I you know, had talked about this before day three had kicked off. The Browns seemed to have serious interest and it makes sense when you talk about an analytical front. Really, really smart player. Really, really gifted athlete. Um, has the you know the smart the brain aptitude to adapt to all this. So Donovan Peoples Jones, I, I I think there could be a role here. Obviously, it's not going to be early in the season. I think as the year goes on, I think his vertical ability, opening things up for the tight ends, opening things up for Odell and Jarvis to just basically get more one on ones. There's, there's going to be a role for Donovan Peoples-Jones, and this may turn out to be a fantastic value pick in round six. We're going to get to the defensive side of the ball here in a second. Obviously, we have some names to discuss with over there as well. Folks, Browns Apparel, Browns gear. My folks over at Zabo Apparel, uh, Brian Zabo and his family, they do a fantastic job. Uh, I love talking about their passion for their product, their passion for Browns football, um, whether it's T-shirts, whether it's hoodies, whether it's hats. ZaboApparel.com, S-Z-A-B-O, ZaboApparel.com. Check them out, Zabo Apparel. On Twitter, Zabo Apparel. On Instagram, get yourself all geared up for the 2020 season with Zabo Apparel. Now we're going to go to the defensive side of the ball and how you know it's going to, what's going to be expected, if anything's going to be expected, of the rookies on the defensive side of the ball. Um, first, pick on the defensive side of the ball, round two, Grant Delpit. Um, we've gotten to hear Joe Woods speak. Um, Joe Woods has spoken about heavy nickel, heavy dime, or what he wants to go with. You, know, you want the most athletic players you can get on the field in 2020 NFL. This is what the Chiefs did last year late in the season to give their defense a kickstart because their linebackers weren't getting it done. There's more teams trending to this. Grant Delpit you guys know you know what my thoughts were. I, I'm stunned he wasn't a first-round pick. You get an intelligent player here. You get an athletic player here. You get a player with crazy production here. You get a player who 
last year in the college playoffs, once the high ankle sprain was right, was flawless, was so smart and intelligent and got things done, wasn't missing tackles. He is a huge, huge part of the 2020 Cleveland Browns defense. Don't let that fool you for a second. Yes, Carl Joseph was signed. Yes, Andrew Sandeo was signed. Yes, Sheldrick Redwine is here. But I will guarantee you that there is no safety with more expectations for his production and his play in 2020 than Grant Delpit in the minds of this Cleveland Browns front office. They were thrilled to get him where they did, ecstatic to get him where they did. He's going to be a starter from day one. Make no bones about that. And he's going to produce. And he's going to be a big part of this Cleveland Browns secondary, not just in 2020, but for many, many years to come. Jordan Elliott, the defensive tackle out of Missouri. Uh, Jordan drafted round three. Jordan comes into, which is a different situation for our Browns. Um, There has never been stable depth at the interior defensive line position. Now you're talking your starters of Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogunjobi, um, Andrew Billings as a reserve defensive tackle. Jordan Elliott maybe comes in here as your fourth, if not fifth, defensive tackle, which is a great position to have a player drafted in the third round. A lot of teams, if you were drafted in the third round, if a defensive tackle was drafted in the third round in the older Cleveland Brown regimes, he'd be a starter from day one, and it'd be a sink-or-swim sink son type of approach to his career. He can come in here. He's athletic. He is quick into the backfield. Um, his overall functional strength is still a work in progress, but make no mistake, he can, you know, he can contribute in the run game, but he can also contribute in the pass game. And the way this scheme is going to work with heavy on the defensive line, heavy in the secondary, there are going to be a lot of reps if you've earned them. They are not going to just give you reps, but if there is any chance that they can get these guys blows and or you can use a Sheldon Richardson at defensive end every now and then to give somebody a blow or just to give teams different looks from your defensive line, it's going to happen. Jordan Elliott, I think it's going to be a nice year. I'm not talking crazy production. I'm not talking a crazy amount of playing time. But if he gets himself ingratiated here as this number four defensive tackle, you're talking maybe 10 to 15 snaps a week, a chance to produce, a chance to get comfortable, a chance to grow. Jordan Elliott was a great selection, and um, he's going to be a fun one to watch here. Ah, Jacob Phillips, my guy at LSU. Um, Jacob Phillips, I don't think the expectations are there yet for what they're going to ask or what they're going to hope for for Jacob Phillips in year one. Um, I'm obviously going to be higher than they are. But you look at him in early on in LSU's last year, uh, season last year, he was their top linebacker. As the year went on, Patrick Queen find, tried to, started to find his way and improve as a player. But Jacob Phillips was still putting in the solid work week in, week out. Knows what a run fit is. Knows what his run assignment is. Will get his nose dirty. The coverage is coming along. Um, not the overall athlete that a Patrick Queen was at LSU, but the coverage is there. Um, we've talked about this linebacker group a ton here. Um, you know, how is the snaps going to be manipulated? Who's going to get the time? Um, you think at this point it's probably going to be Mac Wilson. You think at this point it's going to be Jacob Phillips, Sione Taki Taki, these guys battling out to essentially who is top dog at that linebacker position. Jacob Phillips has the best tape um, from college. You know, Sione Taki Taki did you know, more than just linebacker at BYU. Jacob Phillips, true linebacker tape 
is a lot more impressive than Mac Wilson's was at Alabama. Mac Wilson does have a year of, of NFL experience under his belt. Um, Mac Wilson, through everything on social media, you can tell the guy is working his tail off to hopefully be the best player he can be. But uh, my money here is on Jacob Phillips. I just think the intangibles, the comfortableness and coverage, the comfortableness and knowing his run assignments, run you know, run fits, you know, whether it's a run blitz for him, Jacob Phillips is probably going to be your top dog. Um, it may come more over in the second half of the season as he gets more and more comfortable. But Jacob Phillips is probably going to end up the 2020 season as the number one linebacker on the Cleveland Browns. I just wanted to mention this name from the uh, undrafted free agents. Um, he was a player they wanted. This was another one there was talks of on day three. The Browns really liked A.J. Green, the player, um, cornerback out of Oklahoma State. Um, A.J. Green ended up not getting drafted after what was a absolutely brutal, brutal week. Um, you know, he didn't have a good combine, um, lost his father the week leading up to the draft. This was a player the Browns really wanted. Uh, they like his coverage ability. They like his length. Um, obviously, you know, tested in past defense in the Big 12 where, you know, 50 throws a game is, you know, maybe the minimum. <laughs> so he's, you know, tested. Um, obviously, Oklahoma State's got a lot of talent there still coming up into this season. So, you know, he's been tested in practice. He's been tested in games. Um, I, I think... This year, maybe at best, you're looking at him to be maybe the fourth cornerback. You signed Kevin Johnson for a reason. Uh, Greedy Williams is going to get every opportunity to prove himself. We all know the top dog is Denzel Ward. Um, there's talks about whether it would be Terrence Mitchell or A.J. Green. Terrence Mitchell, again, was a player who was inherited by this front office. A.J. Green was a player they wanted, they coveted. They went out and got him and made him one of the highest paid Browns on drafted free agents ever. So there's a, you know, a big opportunity here for A.J. Green. I think he could start the season high on the depth chart. If he does, obviously have you know, some hiccups. You have a Terrence Mitchell. You have a Tavier Thomas. But A.J. Green is a player that they uh, have high hopes, high hopes for, and they feel they got a steal for as far as you know, getting him as an undrafted free agent. So we've gotten to talk today about you know, where the NFL preseason is headed. Uh, we've gotten to talk about you know, David Njoku trying to maybe uh, you know, redeem himself a little bit within the Cleveland fan base. Talked about the expectations for the rookies on offense, also the rookies on defense as we slowly morph into training camp mode here for the Cleveland Browns and on the show as well. This, um, make sure you are following the show at Locked On Browns on Twitter. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, DMs are open, guys. Any ideas for the show, send them on over. Um, you know, love taking questions from you guys. As I always tell you, this show only goes as far as the listeners who carry it. So I appreciate you all for that. With that, this has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.